Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Kernels of Truth, brought to you by Progress Kentucky. Uh, we have got a big show for you this week. We're very excited to have you with us for this episode. Uh, this week, we're going to be covering Andy's big speech, uh, the state of our Commonwealth, according to Governor Bashir. Uh, we're going to have a big contribution to the GOP's uh, building fund uh, and the irony involved there. Uh, and we're going to cover uh, the fact that all of the constitutional races, uh, the filing is finished. We now know what the you know what the ticket is going to look like. Uh, you know, assuming everyone kind of continues with their intention of running for these offices, uh, which also has an influence on a special election as well. Um, and then we've got a fantastic interview. Well, I don't know if it's fantastic. I haven't done the interview yet. You can be the judge whether it's I think it's going to be fantastic. Really excited to be joined by Representative Sherilyn Stevenson, uh, who is newly elected to the House uh, GOP, or I'm sorry, the Democratic House Caucus. Uh, she's the chair of the House Caucus in Frankfurt. She's also my representative, uh, so always a pleasure to chat with her. Uh, and then we're going to, as always, wrap up with a really important call to action. So that's the show. I'm going to try to get to you in in an hour or less. We shall see. Uh, we always try to do that because we are, yeah, we're respectful of your time. We know you're busy folks. We know you've got a lot on your plate. And we're excited about the fact you're choosing to spend a bit of time with us uh, today. All right. So before we get into that, though, are you ready to help turn Kentucky purple? Uh, I know that you are because you're here. Uh, and you're, that shows an interest uh, in Kentucky politics. Uh, and if you're interested in our perspective of, on Kentucky politics, you're probably like us, a little bit disgruntled about how things are hap uh, happening right now in Frankfurt. So we need to work together to make things a bit better, uh, make Kentucky purple. Why purple? Because we are bright red right now, folks, and we are the kernels of truth, and we are not going to lie to you. Uh, so we are a red state. Uh, we've, uh, we are going to need some uh, work to get to blue, and so purple's in between. Let's get there first. You know, let's make it uh, bite-sized. Uh, you know, things we can get done. Let's let's move forward. So, uh, if you want a Commonwealth that works for all of us, please join Progress Kentucky. Support our campaign to turn our Commonwealth purple. Make a donation at our secure Act Blue website. Spread the word that we're tired of the GOP ignoring the needs of regular folk in Kentucky, uh, and that we think our Commonwealth is worth fighting for. So uh, now, uh, exciting, very uh, exciting time uh, to check in with our co-host. Uh, and you know, when we do this, we'd like to remind folks we're not some talking head show, some media show on the interweb, because if we were, we would probably feel pressured to be better at this work than we are. Uh, we are a digital demonstration for our compassionate Commonwealth. So we got to have a sign. You got to have a protest sign. What does your protest sign say today? Uh, so I'm Aaron. Uh, I am coming to you from Childsburg, a, a uh, ball home cookie cutter community uh, in the Lexington suburbs. And my, uh, my protest sign says today, 15th times the charm Congratulations, Kevin. So not really a protest, just uh, just just a point I'd like to make. Uh, all right, now let's check in. Oh, and you there on the interwebs, you should go ahead and add your uh, you know your sign if you got a protest sign or some some slogan you'd like to share with the world. Uh, feel free to do that, and we can put it on the sign. Uh, I'll put it on our screen rather. So let's check in. Lovely, fantastic co-host. Glad to have him back after jet setting. Uh, you know, uh, trips around the globe or the country, at least. Uh, Willie Carver. Willie, are you there? 
I am here. Uh, and I think 15 times the charm is quite the protest. Because, <laughs> uh, boy, that that uh, they got really painful. So bad. Um, so I, I'm all in for it. Uh, Willie Carver, um, as of 11 days ago, no longer the reigning Kentucky Teacher of the Year. But check out Mandy Perez, the 2023 Kentucky Teacher of the Year, because she is awesome. Um, I am coming to you from Mount Sterling, Kentucky, in a very red county, Montgomery County. Um, and my protest sign says Kentucky's future is queer. I uh, just spent the semester working again um, with high school students, and I just keep realizing how much more um, aware of um, sort of the oppression that's happening, how much more aware of what the future is going to be like these guys are. Um, and it's super exciting. I just worked with um, a um, Greta, last name's not coming to me, who works at Shutterstock. And we talked about creating new rural images um, of queerness. Um, and she worked with some students from Kentucky to sort of get that idea out so that the internet uh, is also thinking about queerness in terms of rurality. So uh, I'm stoked for the future. Uh, I think uh, we're going to see that purple faster uh, than we might otherwise have thought. Yeah, that's awesome. I do feel like, you know, the children are the future, right? So hopefully, you know, and it's not really fair to again and again turn to the youth to help save us. Like, you know, we've we've made this mess. We should help, help fix it. Uh, but for sure, I think in things like, uh, you know, kind of, uh, I, I, I've got a, a, a high school age uh, daughter and I think she's definitely like way more aware uh, than I certainly was uh, at her age. So it gives me, you know, I'm, I'm with you, Willie. It gives me some hope for sure. I have a clear memory of sitting in Miss um, Bowen's high school U.S. history class and she explained to us the difference between Republicans and Democrats and we were all sort of like barely there. <laughs> High school sophomores know the difference between Democrats and Republicans very. I can't imagine any of them not knowing. Yeah, right. I think it is definitely, you know, one sign of, unfortunately, our kind of greater partisanship. Like, it's like, it's so doctrinaire for people that they know and that they are adamant about what side they're on. You know, for a lot of people, not everybody. I think there's still a, a vast group in the middle that doesn't pay nearly as much attention uh, to these things, which... That also gives me hope, <laughs> but but yeah, that's a good point. Uh, so hey, uh, we have got some stories we want to cover. Let us roll right into uh, news of the week. I will, um, you know, uh, say we got we got three stories we're going to do, and then we're going to get to our interview. Uh, there is an outside chance we might, we might be joined by another host. <laughs> so we shall see what happens. Uh, I just wanted to put it out there in case you're confused as a listener. What's this new voice that I haven't heard been introduced to? Or that, uh, that, that just these things happen sometimes, you know, uh, it's not like we have an open door policy, but we do, you know, we're welcoming of folks who might have other commitments they weren't aware of when they said they'd co-host. I'm not naming names. You'll figure it out when they show up. <laughs> Uh, all right, let's go. Uh, news of the week. So uh, the first story we wanted, if you remember last week, we actually did our show early and we did it short so we would get out of the governor's way so he could give his big speech, the state of the Commonwealth. Let's check in and see how he did. So I don't know if you watched uh, what he 
some things that I caught from the show, uh, import, um, important things that he said in the speech. Uh, he really advocated for teacher raises, asking for a 5% teacher raise. He was uh, adamant about universal pre-K and the importance of that for our Commonwealth. Also mentioned medical marijuana, uh, mentioned sports betting, kind of all wrapped up in our economic success, right? So he you know, had, had a couple shout outs there to some of the EV battery manufacturing folks. Of course, uh, he likes to say that Kentucky is the EV battery manufacturing leader in the nation, uh, which, you know, I think for a minute, we we certainly, are, we might be, we're close. There's a lot of battery uh, plants coming in across uh, the South and really across the Midwest and across the country. So uh, I'd like, I need to see the numbers, uh, but there's definitely a heck of a lot of activity thanks to him and his team. Uh, also, you know, mentioning our kind of Kentucky tough resiliency in the face of the twin natural tragedies that he's dealt been dealt with under his watch. Uh, he shouted out also our state park uh, uh, employees, uh, first responders, folks who are donating land in Eastern Kentucky for a flood community rebuilding project, I believe it's called Olive Branch. Uh, and again, he spent a lot of time in the good economic news, which, you know, why wouldn't he? The best two-year period for economic development and job creation in the country, uh, in the, the state's history, uh, record high budget surpluses, longest period of lowest unemployment uh, in the state history. He also touted the bipartisan efforts to invest in Kentucky's infrastructure. Of course, he was addressing the Commonwealth after just being in Covington uh, with the president, with Mitch McConnell, and then Ohio's GOP Governor Mike DeWine and former GOP Senator Rob Portman. So that kind of, you know, that bipartisan message, I think, is really important. The fact that the toll-free Brent Spence companion span announcement, uh, I think that's going to be something that absolutely helps him in his efforts to gain uh, Republican votes uh, in November. But that's uh, a story we'll, we'll touch on later. Um, what else? Uh, in addition to the teacher raises, he asked for a raise for state employees. After the legislature promised to do so last year, he urged a 1.5% increase in state employee retire, uh, retiree pensions, uh, which has been 10 years since they've had a cost of living adjustment or a COLA. We all know that inflation is real and it's affecting folks' bottom line. Of course, I'm sure our own state retiree, Doug Price, will have more to say there. But, um, you know, the, with the GOP super major, uh, majority in the state house and in the state Senate, all those funding ideas might sound great. And they might be things that people really like the idea of, but they are going to meet with very stiff opposition in the General Assembly. I think more on that later. Our guests will have some ideas, certainly. But, you know, my take on the speech was it was, it was generally, we're doing great, but we could do more. Uh, you know, kind of that's what my ears picked out. Uh, if you'd like to read the speech or watch it, I think KET has it available, but we've got a link to the uh, actual PDF of the speech if you want to read it. Um, if you were watching on KET, you were treated to the instant responses from GOP's leader uh, in the General Assembly, uh, Stivers and Thayer, uh, that whole crew kind of pushed back immediately, saying you couldn't do teacher raises piecemeal, uh, complained that Andy's basically cut them out of the processes and he doesn't work with the General Assembly and he keeps them in the dark. Uh, GOP leaders are also characterizing sports betting as like small dollars and who cares about it. Uh, they remain fairly ho-hum about medical marijuana, uh, and they were generally dismissive of everything Andy wanted to do and blamed his administration for not getting things done. Uh, did we mention it's an election year? <laughs> um, 
I don't know. That's kind of my take on it. It was a, you know, it was a good speech. It was compelling. He had a lot of good folks there to kind of shout out to, uh, and you know, painted a pretty positive vision of the Commonwealth and where it's gone since you know since he took over. Basically, uh, Willie, did you watch? Did you have any thoughts about it? Um, read a synopsis afterwards. Uh, you know, my thoughts are especially with obviously I'm going to go to the teacher raises first, but we wanted those. We begged for those for years and couldn't get them. Um, and so the same General Assembly that absolutely refused to in any way make it happen now accuses him of not working with them when he tries to make it happen. Um, I get really grossed out by politics for the sake of politics. Um, I think you hit on a really good point about how people like Andy Bashir and people like what he does. These are no-nonsense, bipartisan things, raising the cost of living, bringing businesses into Kentucky, making sure that teachers stay in the classroom by giving them enough money. Um, and it's it's an interesting time when you have a party that's doing what is very unpopular and yet remaining in power. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, in the, in the just... You know, in the very recent history, you know, we've gone from 44th in teacher pay to 40, uh, 42nd to 44th, right? So that's like, you know, that's not the trajectory we need, you know, as we are facing a teacher shortage, uh, you know, it is absolutely, you know, it's, it's critical that these guys get their act together and increase teacher pay. Um, and that's, you know, doesn't seem as likely as it should. Uh, we'll hear more again from our guests, I think, uh, in a bit about that. But uh, absolutely, you know, they, yeah, politics for politics sake, right? Like they don't, you know, they're just going to pick fights and blame Andy for not doing things their way or not making them the co-chairs of everything. I don't know. Uh, it's a little disappointing. We will, we will watch, we will see. But, um, you know, I thought it was a good speech. Uh, mm-hmm. I thought people, you know, he kept it relatively short. It wasn't, it wasn't a stem winder that went nowhere. It was definitely, you know, some good highlights to point to. And, it, you know, again, bipartisan messaging about how good it is when we work together and stand together. So uh, I'm in. <laughs> I, well, I'm always in. Uh, I think it's no secret that I have a crush on Andy Bashir, But he's just a decent human being who is really good at what he does. And... I am. If anyone can, if you go to the comments section of anything he's doing, there's there's one or two people sort of saying the same things over and over, but it's overwhelmingly positive. I I don't think he has a lot of people who dislike him, yeah. um, and you know that's my hope for a purple Kentucky. Uh, oh, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I think work of men like him really important that you know, kind of like competent, you know, serious compassionate folks, you know, get up there and, and, and help chart our future. And I do think that he is, you know, I think he's awfully good at his job. And there's a reason he's, you know, often think currently the most popular democratic governor in the country in terms of polling, you know, and, you know, to be the most popular democratic governor in the country in one of the least <laughs> democratic States, uh, like, you know, do the math. There are people there across the aisle who think he's great, think he's doing a good job. You know, some of those historic Democrats in Kentucky who, you know, would would not, you know, ever do say anything nice about Nancy Pelosi are willing to say nice things about uh, Andy Bashir. So. Yes. Uh, all right. So should we move on to your story? When I, uh, I think it's kind of interesting. I'm excited to t- talk about. Sure. If anything, it's just confusing. <laughs> <laughs> so... 
Uh, Pfizer recently donated uh, the first quarter of 2023 $1 million to the Republican Party of Kentucky's building fund. So what's amazing here is that this building itself is only worth $485,000. So we're talking about a donation that's worth more than twice the value of the building itself. Um, this fund literally only raised $6,000 in the first quarter of 2022. I was able to raise $6,000 for LGBTQ kids uh, in, in one quarter this year. So the fact that the entirety of the Republican Party's building fund only raised $6,000, um, I hope I get a million from Pfizer, is uh, my thought. Uh, and, you know, one thing that shocked me was I, I was thinking, how is this possible? Because aren't there lots of rules about how super PACs contribute, et cetera, et cetera. But there was a 2017 General Assembly bill that basically allows for unlimited amounts when we talk about buildings and associated expenses. So in this case, we have um, a building and an associated expense. Of course, that raises questions about whether or not that frees up other money. But Pfizer, makers of the vaccine for COVID-19, donated a million dollars to the Republican Party of Kentucky. My thought is, who's giving to the Kentucky Republican Party next? The Human Rights Campaign, American Library Association, maybe RuPaul's Drag Race. It is completely <laughs> and utterly baffling. Um, but this headquarters is known as the Mitch McConnell Building. And Mitch McConnell has been outspoken about his support of vaccines. Um, which has even had him branded rhino. And when you look at the numbers, 47% of Republicans said that they would not get this vaccine. 44% um, of Republicans, according to a YouGov poll, said that they believe Bill Gates is using a mass COVID-19 vaccination campaign to implant microchips in us. Um, <laughs> that's, that's almost half the party. And yet this they are giving um, this much money. So what I think about a lot is how this is really a testament to how democracy is working. Even Republicans can't make decisions uh, for what Republican the Republican Party is doing. Right. Republicans who are against the vaccine. Pfizer's going to Pfizer's going to buy the party. Right. Um, or Kentuckians overwhelmingly not being in favor of new abortion rules doesn't really matter. Uh, when you look at the revenue, Pfizer made $81 billion in 2021, and only a tiny fraction of that is a contact uh, contract at the U.S. government. They made $1.5 million in their initial contract, and they're getting, I'm sorry, billion, $1.5 billion, uh, which is a lot, but a drop in the bucket to that 81, $3.5 billion in their most recent contract. So if you break that down by person by state, it's about $4.50 a person. And that initial $1.5 billion contract. Um, so $4.50 each, four and a half million Kentuckians, that's about $20 million. Um, when you look at the cost for research and development, the cost for all these things, 1 million out of 20 million is still a lot of money to be given. Um, I think this has a lot more to do with democracy than anything else. Um, what does it mean when a corporation this large can make such a donation? Um, that that's kind of where I am um, with all of this and that I'm confused. <laughs> <laughs> I love, I just love the irony there. And I really hope that, you know, I know that we're probably not the best 
way to spread that message around Republican circles. But I feel like I really hope they all like clue in the Liberty Wing sees what, you know, what's going on there in Frankfurt and how much money Pfizer, you know, Cavana Maddox, right? So like, like how, like how, how annoyed are those people? And, you know, let the interfighting begin, right? You know, the 15 mm -hmm. votes that Kevin McCarthy had to go through because that small yet mighty group of crazy people uh, was making his life hard, right? They're not going to be yeah. psyched with a Pfizer donation. I think th this is this is the doomsday device inside the Republican Party, right? That um, you've got all these libertarian small men leave us alone talking points in a very big government party. And I think... We've been a, they've been able to successfully convince the average Republican that Democrats are somehow the ones taking all of this money from uh, companies like Pfizer. And now they're doing it because they have to to survive, uh, because that's the political party that they actually that that's the government that we've created. Um, and where what where is the place uh, for for the Marjorie Taylor Greens? <laughs> <laughs> where where is the place uh for the 44 percent who believe that the vaccine has a microchip in it yeah uh i hope they maybe start their own party I <laughs> would love then that. the democrats can cruise through with their like you know strong 35 i will or i will cater that party if they create that party <laughs> i will come play the music for them at the inaugural <laughs> event Nate, Nate will DJ for them. I think <laughs> we can get those folks out, uh, out on their own. Yeah, it is. It's a weird, it's a weird unholy alliance, really. The kind of like pro corporate mainstream Republicans and the Liberty Wing, who you know just think that corporate America is up to no good, because you know oftentimes they are. Like I don't, mm -hmm. I don't dispute your your skepticism, uh, but yeah, I definitely think this is a this is an interesting development. I yeah. hope everyone catches news of it. I hope that you know. Cooper Ryder makes it one of his campaign pledges to like get rid of that. But that's actually our next story. So let's let's move on. Uh, the, the next story that I am excited to bring to you is the fact that, you know, the, the ticket is set, right? The primary elections are set. The filing deadline has come and gone. May 18th, mark it on your calendar. Uh, we're going to see some contests on the GOP side of the ballot. Not so much on the Democratic side. So obviously the you know the big story is you know all these GOP folks running for governor. Uh, but you know, let's start at the uh, down to the kind of more down ballot races. I don't there's a lot of people I do not know who they are. <laughs> like I'll be honest. There's some good uh, reporting out there. Uh, I know that uh, folks over at my old Kentucky podcast have done some deep dives on some of these folks. I think they're going to continue to do more. We will, uh, I'll make a pledge to all uh, Progress Kentucky uh, Colonels of Truth viewers. We're going to try to get every, um, you know, every candidate uh, on the Democratic side of the aisle to come and share their view with us for sure. Uh, and we will see kind of who we line up. But the, the only contested race uh, on the Democratic side of this is for commissioner of agriculture. Uh, well, legitimately contested. So we got Sierra Enlow uh, and versus uh, Michael Malone. Uh, and these are definitely people that I am not terribly familiar with. Sierra Enslow is of Hodgdenville, um, who is an economic development advisor. And Michael Malone, who's from Winchester. So that's what we've got there. Uh, we do have... Uh, a fight on the Republican side as well for uh, Commissioner Bag. We've got, you know, 
course, Ryan Quarles has been there for quite a while. Uh, he's term limited and running for governor. But uh, former state House Majority Floor Leader Jonathan Shell is running. Uh, he lost a Republican primary in 2018, so that's why he's no longer uh, in the state house. Uh, and then Representative Richard Heath of Mayfield, who's been in the legislature since 2012. So that's who's going to be duking it out for the commissioner of Agric agriculture. Uh, then the auditor. This is actually where uh, current state treasurer Allison Ball, uh, she is working to you know, move to that seat because she's term, term limited at treasurer. Uh, and then Derek Petties of Lexington is challenging her in the primary. Don't know anything about him. Uh, on the uh, Democratic side, Kim Reeder, who's a Frankfurt and is a tax attorney and a teacher. Uh, she is running unopposed, so she will be uh, the Democratic nominee. Um, and then on the, let's see, the straight state treasurer, this is another one where there's just a heck of a lot of competition and an interesting race, I think, on the Republican side of it. Um, Andrew Cooperrider, who I mentioned before, he's the guy who owned the Lexington coffee shop, rose to prominence because he didn't want to, you know, put COVID restrictions in place, didn't want to close down, didn't do it. He then became one of the advocates for um, impeaching the governor because of the fact that, you know, they did stuff about COVID. Um, he was a part of that, you know, that Liberty Wing for sure. Uh, and he lost a Republican state Senate primary last year. So he's you know trying to get out there. He's got a bit of a name. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Uh, and then OC or OJ Aleka, who is a Frankfurt. He's actually uh, Allison Ball's uh, staff. He works for her right now. Uh, and he apparently has something to do with Mitch McConnell. Maybe he worked at Mitch McConnell's office at some point, formerly president of the Association of Independent Kentucky Colleges and Universities. Uh, seems to be kind of the mainstream Republican pick. Also, but Mark Metcalf of Lancaster, uh, he is the Girard County attorney. Uh, and uh, I learned earlier uh, he was the kind of independent uh, investigator into uh, Allison. Um, Alison Grimes, when there were com uh, ethic complaints against her, uh, he was the guy who was appointed because Andy Bashir, you know, said he was conflicted out. Um, so that's the, you know, there's three seemingly legitimate people running for, well, uh, loosely, I don't know, uh, legitimate campaigns maybe uh, for state treasurer. Uh, and then Michael Bowman, who's the Democrat. So he's from Louisville. Uh, he's been active in party politics for, I think, a long time. Uh, and he ran in 2019 and lost to Ball. So uh, he's running again. Uh, he's worked for the Bashir administration on education and workforce development issues. He's got banking uh, experience. You know, seems like a legitimate, you know, a re resume for this role. Uh, and we'll watch his campaign uh, closely. Again, we'll try to get him on the show to share his view. Uh, and then kind of moving up uh, the ballot. Uh, we have got uh, the, we'll say the attorney general race. That's one where this is not, I think, going to be competitive on either side. Russell Coleman, who's the former U.S. attorney for the Western District of Kentucky, uh, he is running uh, and uh, he was general counsel to Senator Mitch McConnell. Uh, so pretty well anointed, I think, there. And then he's going to be facing off against friend of the show, uh, state representative Colonel Pam Stevenson, uh, who is an attorney uh, and, of course, a colonel uh, in the Air Force, also a Baptist minister. 
uh, and she is uh, she's going to be running. So uh, we've had her on. We'll have her on again for sure. Uh, and excited to see how that race plays out. Um, and of course, you know, the, the big one is the governor's race. Right. So that one's very. Um, oh, sorry. Let's I skipped secretary of state. So secretary of state is happening as well. That one, you know, Adams has got uh, Michael Adams uh, is running against Stephen Nipper, Knipper, uh, former chief of staff or uh, Lieutenant Governor Janine Hampton uh, and state rep, former state rep, Alan Miracle. So that's, you know, there'll be two, three, three Republicans running. There's only one Democrat running. That is uh, former state rep Charles uh, Buddy Wheatley, who's been on this show. He was, of course, redistricted kind of into a far more challenging uh, race and unfortunately did not win that. Uh, so, you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I think Adams, you know, the favorite running away in terms of the primary, but probably in the general too. Uh, he's gotten a lot of, you know, I think he's gotten a lot of kudos from a lot of folks about how things have been run. The elections were run uh, during kind of the COVID uh, crisis and kind of what came after. You know, he has marginally made uh, our elections a little bit more kind of free and fair and accessible, but, you know, we were so we had some of the worst elections in the country, so we didn't have to do much. And there's still a lot that should be done to make our uh, elections just freer and fairer. Uh, but, um, you know, he's certainly uh, he has certainly, I think, gotten some good uh, attention for his work so far. Uh, but Buddy Wheatley has got, I think, some great uh, experience and, you know, a, a kind of public service for a very long time and a lot of different uh, forums. So uh, maybe have him back on the show as well to kind of hear his vision uh, of that race. So, yeah. And then, of course, you know, the big one is the governor's race. So things didn't change there, although there was some last minute drama. Right. Matt Bevan, uh, you know, said he would be showing up at this uh, at the rotunda uh, that final day of filing. So he showed up, he, you know, gave a press, kind of an impromptu press conference, talked about some things that the state should be doing, and then just walked away. Uh, my favorite take on it was Nima Brewer uh, said, you know, man walks up, flaps gums, leaves. Uh, didn't really, you know, didn't say much. Very, very trolly, uh, you know, and kind of how he managed it. Like, what a... What a what a character! So sad he's not in the race. Actually, it would have been awesome to see him in the race because having more fighting on the Republican side of the aisle can only help us. I don't know. So we'll probably do much more on the the Republican race uh, moving forward. But things didn't really change. So everyone we've discussed in the past, you know, are, are folks who are there, uh, and, and you know, uh, and and it'll be interesting to watch for sure. But not a ton of competitive races on the Democratic side. Uh, the one thing I will point out is that the state Senate said this is where they're going, that, that's the date they will have the special election for the 28th district. Uh, that was the one that, of course, we've talked about this a couple of times. Uh, Ralph Alvarado is you know, getting a cushy job in Tennessee uh, and is leaving to be a quack for them uh, and is now you know, vacating his Senate seat which of course he could have seen that coming <laughs> because uh, he definitely announced it like right after the election. I uh, got to imagine there was a pretty uh, intensive interview process, uh, but didn't do anything to, to mention that to anyone. But yeah, so now I won't get a state Senator for quite a while uh, because, you know, he's 
not going to be there. He's going to be in Tennessee and they are not doing an early special election. They decided to hold it to, you know, give them the most advantage. Like I just said, right. Going to be a lot of competition on the, on the Republican side of the aisle, not a ton of, uh, of democratic, uh, you know, kind of engagement for that primary, I don't think. Uh, and so, you know, it really would have, doesn't play to Democrat strengths, uh, for that Senate seat, unfortunately. Um, but, but yeah, uh, so that's a bummer. Uh, but then we mentioned this last week, I think the 19th Senate district, that's going to be done earlier so that that district will actually get a Senator, uh, you know, Morgan McGarvey, who of course was elected to, to Congress. So, uh, all right, that is, that's, that's that, uh, we're a little bit late, which I don't even know how we did that, but, uh, Willie, any thoughts you want to raise about those, uh, those races before we uh, get to our guest? I don't think there's much thinking to be, <laughs> be done about it. Uh, I'm just shocked at how quickly, um, some of these Republicans who are firebrands turn into absolute recluses. Uh, so whether we're talking about Trump or Bevan, like, I think I think when everything's made of just inflated hot air, it just sort of fizzles into a little poof really quickly. <laughs> Disappears very quickly. Uh, yeah. So that guy, whew. he just needs a hobby. I think like really, he needs to like, find something to do with his time uh, besides trolling us on the internet. Maybe uh, he can all right. help develop the new Pfizer ballroom at the Republican uh, headquarters. <laughs> uh, so yeah, those are the that's the news of the week, folks you know, filtered through our lenses. Uh, there, there's other news you could, important news out there, but that's the news we decided we wanted to bring you. Uh, all right, so now really excited, very happy to bring uh, our guest on, uh, you know, Representative uh, Sherilyn uh, Stevenson is a new member of the Kentucky Democratic House leadership. Uh, she's my representative, uh, has represented the 88th district since 2018 winning three competitive races for the Lexington Suburban District uh, after her most recent victory by the remarkably close margin of 37 votes. Uh, she joined Representative Derek Graham as an elected leader of the House Democratic Caucus, along with new caucus whip uh, Rachel Roberts from Campbell County's 67th District. Uh, welcome, Representative Stevenson. Thank you so much for having me. Hey, Aaron, it's great to see you. Nice really to see you. Thanks for coming back. Yeah. Um, and, you know, always happy to hear what you have to say, but especially now that you're a leader, uh, you know, I think like you're always, okay. you're always a leader, but like, you know, <laughs> uh, so how, uh, was that like a remarkably hard fought election? Was it, like, was that, um... uh, uh, yes, <laughs> yes. Obviously, you know, my very first election, we won by 48 votes and, who thought it could really get closer than that? But, um, you know, on election night, we came out with what we thought was a 35 vote uh, margin. And after the recount, um, a couple more votes were found. So we are sitting at 37 and um, we'll take it. You know, um, as most people here probably know, redistricting was not very kind to me. So um, we, we knew that we were probably going to have a super, super close election and um, proved to be true. But uh, we're still here. We're still fighting. And um, Kentucky's worth fighting for. And, and my team and I are, are just so pleased that we were able to pull it out. Oh, yeah. Such a relief. Oh my God. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And you know, I, I'll be honest, I went and knocked doors for you. So I'm going to take credit for it because I'm pretty sure I, I definitely knocked on way more than 37 doors. So right. I'm just going to like claim yeah. all the credit. There. Yeah. That's the awesome thing about close elections is everything mattered. 
Every single thing mattered. And you can't say that your vote doesn't count because holy crap, 37 votes made the difference in that race. 37 votes, yeah. And, you know, when mm. we talk about all of the things that we did um, to reach out to voters and to talk to voters and to get our message to voters. And there's, there's not one thing that we could not have done. There's not one door that... Could not have been knocked. There's not one mailer that couldn't have been mailed. One postcard, uh, not one dollar uh, to be donated. You know, um, everything mattered in that race, and um, we're again, we're just so proud that we pulled it out, um, and that we're there to keep fighting for the Kentucky that we believe in and we want. Yeah. Well, so then the then you had another election though. So you <laughs> were elected. You know, the caucus chair. Um, yes. was that one hard fought or was that a little easier? No, it wasn't. Um, actually, uh, the press release that went out, all three of us were elected by acclamation. So none of us had a uh, competition. Um, you know, again, our caucus is only 20 people. Um, but it, it, it was great. You know, the three of us wanted to step up and the fact that our caucus believes in us and, and puts faith in us, uh, to lead them forward and, and, uh, to try to grow our caucus um, and 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 keep fighting for those things that we all believe in um, it is a big honor, and um, I'm hopeful that I can I can live up to the challenge. Yeah, uh, so it did not take 15 ballots to select the leadership uh, for the Democrats. Shockingly, we did not have uh, you know no 15 ballots. It was it was it was pretty great. <laughs> no, uh, yep. yeah, no. Or there, there had to be no deals made behind the scenes. There was no, uh, you know, no shucking and jiving, no, uh, no wheeling and dealing. It, uh, it, you know, we just came together and and looked at the best way for our caucus to move forward, and um, you know, came together to to say this is it, this is what we want to do, and um, this is the foot that we're putting forward. So we're happy to do it, and we are we're ready to fight for the things that um, Kentucky needs. Uh, you know, we're ready to fight for public education. We're ready to fight for medical marijuana. We're ready to stand up and say it's. You know, it's past time for sports betting. We're ready to um, once again fight for our public employees and uh, the raises that they deserve and the colas that our retirees deserve. We're ready to talk about juvenile justice. We're we're ready to back the governor and the things that he's fighting for. And the three leaders were happy to file six bills, um, you know, in conjunction with his office to say uh, these are the things that we believe matter to Kentuckians and these are the things that we as a general assembly should be focused on. Yeah. But I think, the, so those six bills, I don't, you know, you don't need to read them, but you know, are there like, were those just the kind of issues you mentioned? So, you know, the teacher raises, yeah. For all of those issues that we mentioned, you know, there's a, there's a separate medical marijuana bill. There is um, a separate sports betting bill. There's an education bill. There's one, um, you know, for DJJ, uh, juvenile justice, there's uh, one, for our, our public employees. So, um, you know, folks are, are are obviously welcome to go out and look at those, but the governor, it's really a lot of what the governor talked about in um, in his state of the Commonwealth. So that, right, you are a minority. Um, you know, you couldn't cut a lot of deals uh, because you don't have a lot of power. Let's just be frank. It, right. and it's unfortunate. I don't, I don't want to be harsh. And it's, it's unfortunate. And it's like, you know, what I think that means is we need to, like, make sure that everyone understands that the policies that are ha coming out of Frankfurt are right. not the policies that Andy wants or that the Democrats are fighting for, right? It's what the Republicans want. So like looking at that, I've, I've seen some, you know, some language of, uh, of Governor Bashir responding to 
the the Republicans' priorities. Right. You know, um, you know, obviously they they haven't said anything good about medical marijuana, really. Although there is now there's a state senator who actually filed a bill, right? A yep. Republican state senator filed a bill. Uh, it's passed the House before. Um, I you know I haven't seen them anyone say much good about you know sports betting. Um, but then what about, you know, the, the, their number one priority, which is of course, reducing the income tax rate, you know, right. blowing an enormous hole in the state budget, right? Like $600,000 this year, 1.2 billion moving forward. So dropping from five to, to four, it's $1.2 billion. We are, uh, giving away $12 to everyone that we're going to take in by the new service taxes. Yeah, so a huge disparity, right? Yeah. Uh, so they, you know, they really couldn't jack up our, uh, you know, they would have to do a lot to increase uh, the amount we're paying in like sales tax or whatever to make up that difference. And they're, of course, not doing that. And nobody really right. wants them to do that. But, uh, you know, it yeah. seems like there's a huge giveaway to, to the rich, the 10%, right? Yeah, it is. And interestingly enough, um, as you all mentioned before, uh, former Governor Bevan came and did his wacky little press conference on Friday. And he made our point for us. If you watch that press conference, um, you know, he congratulated Brandon Reed on passing that bill and said that he hoped that we would get our income tax down to zero. However, people needed to understand and he challenged the media to help Kentuckians understand that if that happens, then that means that our sales tax has to go up. Um, you know, so we, we kind of thanked him for delivering a part of our message and, and for verifying to the to the people of Kentucky that that is what we were saying, that this is an unsustainable cut. It is a permanent tax cut based on temporary surpluses. And when those surpluses are gone, um, you know, we're either going to have to cut vital services or we're going to have to keep increasing sales taxes. So what I really want people to understand is that Yes, this is a massive tax giveaway to the wealthy. Yes, this is reducing our revenue. But ultimately, what they're trying to do is change the way um, that they tax us. They're trying to move from an income-based tax to a consumption-based tax, which means when they move everything over into more of a sales tax, um, you know, ultimately, they'll have to come in and raise sales tax. If they keep trying to go all the way to zero, um, you know, it's not unrealistic to think that uh, we would have to start taxing food or taxing medicine. When you look at the other states that have no income tax, they are very large uh, tourist states. And, you know, I am a huge, huge proponent of our signature industries, bourbon and horses. And they do bring in some tax dollars for us and they are a draw, but they are not Mickey Mouse in the beach. They are not Dolly Parton and Gatlinburg and Nashville. Um, they are not Las Vegas casinos. So we, you know, our our tourism industry cannot compete um, with states like that. And so when they say that they want us to be like states like that, it's just not comparing apples to apples. So, you know, I think that what people need to understand is yes, they're telling you that they want you to keep more of your money, um, but the richest Kentuckians are going to see about $11,000 while the poorest Kentuckians may see $20, maybe. Um, you know, so it, it, it's, it's, it's not what 
they want to portray it as. And again, um, as they keep adding services, as, as we just saw, so now this summer when your kids go to camp, they're going to be taxed. And um, we all have learned that when we take our dogs and our cats to the vets, that they're, that they're taxed. Um, our gyms are taxed. Car repairs are taxed. So there's they're just changing the way that they tax us ultimately. Um, so there's a lot of glory in saying, hey, we're going to take this down. Uh, but on the back end, once uh, our rainy day fund is depleted, once all of these temporary surpluses from the $45 billion that we got from the federal government during the pandemic are gone, um, you know, it's either cut vital services or it's raised those sales taxes um, dramatically. So that's that's kind of where things stand. Yeah. And, the, you know, the state government, the state budget is what, like $14 billion uh, thereabouts, right? So like. One point two billion is a huge, ah, huge chunk. Yes. Uh, as you pointed out, we've got this kind of influx right now because of you know COVID right. spending at the federal level and you know some you know, interesting situations that hopefully will never happen again, right? Uh, and so the idea that you know that we're going to just you know, and I think we saw in the comments, uh, Doug, you know, and Doug mentioned this last week, you know, the whole Kansas experiment, right, which they had to absolutely roll back. Uh, and then you know, like I've said it before, this is the you know, the, the Grover Norquist, we want to shrink government down to the size we can drown it in a bathtub, yeah. Yeah. right? These guys don't want government services. They don't want to provide for the folks who need help. Uh, they want to get out of that. And, you know, this is one way to make it happen. Like, oh, look, it's it's not going to it's not going to hurt much right now because we've got these uh, these amazing revenues right now. Uh, but, you know, we're going to set it in motion and, you know, they, it's it's predictable where it's going to go. Uh, if we let them, but you know, what are the prospects for, for fighting this, Sherilyn? Um, uh, you know, I hate to be a naysayer and I, and I hate that Frankfurt has made me a little cynical, but given their super majorities in both chambers, as you saw, it sailed through the house and we expect that it will sail through the Senate. Um, you know, I, I don't expect it to meet any challenges over there, so it's absolutely going to happen. Um, you know, so it's just going to take the people, um, being vigilant and paying attention moving forward uh, when those uh, services start to go away or uh, when they turn around and start adding additional service taxes or talk about raising the sales tax, um, you know, to make some noise. But at, at this point, unfortunately, um, this is happening. Yep. Yep. Uh, very, very unfortunate. Willie, uh, any thoughts about the, you know, what what the the GOP is up to that you want to share with uh, Sherilyn and get her thoughts? Um, like the uh, financial side is hard enough. I think right now I'm concerned about some of the newest bills being filed in terms of education, especially targeting LGBTQ students. Yes. What are our chances this year of cutting that? down a bit. I know that the the um, anti-CRT bill that we had initially, there, there were a few competing, but I think ultimately that product in Kentucky was much milder than yes. it could have been compared to other states. Um, what are our chances of watering down whatever horror shows are coming? Um, you know, my hopes are pretty good for this. We, um, we have had a, a pretty successful lobby on this front in the past, and we have been able to hold off a lot of really bad things in the past. Um, so, you know, I, I am hopeful that we are successful and that we're going to going to fight these things. Um, you know, the GOP leadership keeps telling they keep telling us, but and they're also telling the public that they very much want this session um, 
to, to get back to the true meaning of what a short, a short session is and just doing a lot of cleanup language, um, you know, amending bills here and there as problems have arisen and there just needs to be a change here and there and that they're not going to tackle a lot of major legislation and it's going to be a quiet session. So, um, you know, we've heard it before and it hasn't proven to be true, but my fingers are crossed that it absolutely um, is going to hold true this time. Um, and that, you know, that they're not going to tackle a, a lot of big issues like that. Um, you know, it's going to be really interesting to see, um, as we all know, unfortunately, uh, Senator Berg uh, had a, a personal tragedy in her life. And I think that she is going to come out swinging, um, you know, if, if that kind of legislation starts to move. Um, so I am, I am hopeful that we can hold that off at this point. Um, but again, I, we have been successful in, in, in holding those things off. So I hope that everyone, um, if you get the chance, the opportunity to talk to your representative or your senator, that you encourage that, that we have a nice, quiet session, that we just fix things that need to be fixed, and that we get back to the to the true intent of a, of a short session, and um, that we can do a lot of bipartisan work on just things that need to happen, and then a lot of those controversial mm -hmm. bills will, um, you know, will, will kind of be held off. Unfortunately, it is a gubernatorial election year, so um, there's always the possibility that they are going to want the governor to veto a lot of things, so that then that can be talked about during election season. But um, we'll we'll just have to see. At this point, I, I I I don't have a crystal ball, and my magic eight ball is asking me to ask again. <laughs> <laughs> well, whatever you need, I, I'll do whatever groundwork needs to be done uh, to support well, these kids. Well, thanks. Uh, thank you for the work you're doing. Absolutely. Well, and we appreciate you. And I, and I think the biggest thing is just, you know, for us to watch and, and see. Um, part of me is a little hesitant for us to make a lot of noise about those bills right now. Um, that if, if we start to make a lot of noise that, you know, it's kind of like poking the bear. So I think, you know, maybe the best thing to do is just kind of watch to see if they get any movement. And then if it does for, um, you know, for us to pounce. The noisemakers define the identity creating moment, right? For sure. Yeah, it does seem, you know, it seems likely that your point, uh, Representative Stevenson, is like they'll want Andy to look bad as much as possible. Like, so that kind of goes against, you know, kind of one instinct, but we'll see what happens. And I think your point, like, let's just watch and be, you know, mm -hmm. mindful, ever vigilant. Uh, yeah. and when, you know, when the time is, is right to like step up and make as much noise as we possibly can for sure. Yeah. Now, when you look at when the majority changed, uh, especially in the house, when they, when they gained the majority in the house and they came in and, you know, they had a wish list, they had a punch list of things to do priorities for them. Um, and they've kind of really done them all. Let's be honest, you know, and there's, there's, there's been a lot of changes. They, they've implemented a lot of those priorities um, and there's not a ton left. Um, you know, charter voucher bills keep getting uh, thrown out uh, by the Supreme Court. So we'll, we'll kind of see what happens there. Um, you know, the rest of it, there, there is a lot of talk on social media and places about uh, wokeness and, and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, maybe that's a road that they want to go down, but Maybe not. We'll just have to see. You know, we will we will be vigilant. And, and unfortunately, as a as a 
super minority. Uh, our our job really is um, to be the truth tellers here, to to just watch what they're doing, to be reactive, to throw bombs, um, you know, to be the town crier, to be sure that people in Kentucky know what's happening. Um, for us to point out all of the all of the flaws um, in their logic, and to say, hey guys, this is what's happening. Um, and, and we are prepared to do that. You know, our caucus is small but mighty. Um, I, I believe that we will punch above our weight every single day. If, if anybody was watching the day that we uh, did pass House Bill 1, a lot of our new people stood up and talked, and I was so proud of them. I was really proud of our caucus that day. Um, you know, I thought that we did a remarkable job um, of doing the job that we have as a super minority. So, uh, you know, you can count on, on us for that. And and we will be reaching out to friends like you guys to, to help us make that point and to help us to, to spread the word. I think at this point, um, you know, the best thing that we can do is to educate the public as to what's happening and not let it happen in a vacuum. For sure. So where are we in the kind of the, the, the session right now, right? So it's a short, you say it's a short session. They've it done is. some days. Yes. So it is a short session. It's a 30 day session. Um, and within the Constitution, uh, we actually have uh, the short session goes in for a week and then we have what they call an organizational period. And that is dictated by the Constitution. We are set to come back in on February the 7th. Um, and so really, because that's constitutionally based. So think about way back when our Constitution was originally written and people came in from all areas of the state and they were riding in on their horse and their buggy. And, you know, so they had to get there. It took them days to get there and then they got there finally started to do business. And so this, this portion of time was originally when leaders for the caucuses were chosen and people got together and decided what the priorities were going to be. And, you know, so in modern times, obviously we're there working all the time and we have technology like this where people can talk and, and make plans together. So, um, so this organizational period is a little mm -hmm. weird in this day and time, but we do still have it. And, uh, you know, our caucus is making good use of it. We're meeting weekly and the leaders are in the office almost every, every single day. Um, but for the most part, general public can start really paying attention again on February the 7th. And I, um, I do some work in other states and I, I've learned in Florida, it's kind of what they do is they actually go back to their districts and hold, you know, partisan or bipartisan kind of town halls. Uh, yeah. So they'll actually say, Hey, I'm, I'm in this, uh, I'm back in my district, you know, doors open, come yeah. in. If you want to like talk to us about an issue, do that. I don't know if that's like, you know, culturally, you know, something that happens in Kentucky yeah. very much, but it does seem like, well, and, and I think some people do. Um, uh, Representative uh, Josie Raymond actually just held a town hall in her district uh, specifically about HB1 uh, to educate people, allow them to come in and, and ask questions about that, which was great. And, you know, every representative's a, a, a little bit different and they do things a little bit differently. But um, but that's a great idea, you know, and, and, and I do want to tell everybody, even if I'm not holding a town hall, I, I tell people constantly that. My door is always open. Um, Aaron, you probably know every single piece of campaign literature that goes out has my personal cell phone number on it. My uh, my business card has my personal cell phone number on it. And I encourage people to reach out to me anytime. And it is it is not uncommon for me to be texting or Facebook messaging with a constituent, um, you know, really late at night, anytime. So I encourage that. I, I, I love one-on-one -on -one meetings. I'll go grab coffee with anybody that wants to go. Um, you know, open book here. And, and again, I think just that individual communication and education that happens in our individual districts um, is irreplaceable. 
Yep. Mm-hmm. So you've heard it here first, folks. Reach out to your representative. They might not all give you their cell phone number, but you know you can absolutely let them know your constituent. You're concerned about the fact that you know their number one priority is to blow a massive hole in our state budget. You know, um, and you know, communicate with them directly. Uh, and uh, Sherilyn, any other tips for engaging with uh, your state lawmakers? You know, I do encourage everybody to try to reach out. If you have not met your representative or your senator in person, please try to make an effort to do that and try to get to know them. Um, you know, we're regular people. You'll see us at Kroger. You'll see us, you know, at, at the at the local bar uh, hanging out or, you know, somewhere grabbing dinner. We, we're we're not on a level like Congress people. Again, we are regular people. We're in your neighborhoods. So get to get to know all of us. It's it having a personal relationship with your representative is the only way that your personal voice is at, is going to be carried to Frankfurt. But I think it also makes it a little bit harder for, for folks to vote against you and your family's interests if they know you and, and you get to, you know, become friends just because you have different political ideologies doesn't mean that you can't become friends. Um, you know, and, and, and what you say and, and your life and your family um, should matter to those people. When, that, when they're making those votes on the floor, they should be thinking about you and your family and how what they're voting on is going to affect you. So reach out, make it a point to go. Awesome. Uh, any, Willie, any final comments or questions? Just hang in there. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, I can say to anybody out there, uh, I was definitely, I've not been as political as Aaron my entire life. Uh, and this year has been an awakening. And I have found that not just um, my own personal Congress people, but anyone I have reached out to and said, hey, can I talk to you um, across the aisle or on the same side? Everyone has been willing to listen to me. Um, and that's not because they even know I'm a teacher of the year or anything like that. I think um, as a general rule, people want to hear what the populace uh thinks. So you are the populace. Absolutely. Uh, You know, um, elections are not mandates or they shouldn't be. You know, I I take the job very seriously of being a representative. I have 45,000 voices that I need to carry to Frankfurt. And, um, you know, so I I want to hear from you and any uh, representative or senator that's worth their salt will, will do the same. That's great. And great place to leave it. Uh, Shailen, thanks so much for your time. Uh, thank you for your leadership. Thanks for for doing the work of the people in Frankfurt. You know, like, it's just, it's, it can't always be fun. <laughs> um, but we're gonna, you know, we're gonna do the long, long game here and work to make your minority uh, less and less of a minority by telling the words about, you know, what policies matter and how people can be involved and, you know, that elections have consequences. Absolutely. They do. Yeah. Well, and thank you. Thanks for doing what you guys do each and every week and, and, and trying to help people, you know, follow what's going on. People are busy and, and I get that. So it's important that, um, you know, that you guys are out there helping us spread the word. So thanks. Awesome. Have a great night. All right. So we've got an action alert we're going to do, and then we're going to close it out. And uh, the call to action, I think, is really important, right? Uh, because we, we heard about it just just right now uh, from Representative uh, Stevenson. Uh, we heard about it earlier uh, in, in, you know, 
the, the state of the Commonwealth address, an issue that was touched upon. Is this going to be the session? Kentucky finally addresses medical marijuana. Clearly, Andy Bashir thinks it's time. He has made creative use of his pardon powers to preemptively pardon anyone legitimately using prescribed marijuana obtained from a licensed dispensary in a neighboring state. But obviously, this is an inadequate workaround. Uh, we need to get serious about it. Uh, we really need your help to deluge the legislature with constituent requests for them to legalize medical marijuana. It only takes a minute to send a message with our online form. The email will go to your House member, to your senator, uh, as well as the five GOP Senate leaders uh, demanding this year is the year that we catch up with the majority of the nation. Most of our neighbor states make this medicine available to those who need it. Uh, the link is should be in the in the comments in the chat right now. Uh, and it is it's super easy to do. Uh, take the action, then share it with your social networks. Spread that word kind of however you're able. Let's get hundreds of folks to send their messages as well. Uh, this is a common sense thing. This does not have to be a partisan thing. You know, it's overwhelmingly popular uh, among voters. Uh, so, like, really, if these guys are serious about their elections, they should be uh, you know, responsive to this one. So uh, that's uh, that's what we've got uh, for you. Uh, and then I wanted to just uh, see if. Uh, oh, and, you know, it really does go to them like they actually do read their email. As Sherilyn just said, the real people, they don't have a ton of staff to hide behind. So it goes to their email. It goes to their like. Uh, you know, I have seen Sherilyn respond to a constituent email in front of me. She responds to the like form emails that we send through this system. Uh, she's like, Aaron, you know, I'm for this. I'm like, oh, yeah, it's just an automatic thing. So sorry. Uh, but yeah, so take action. Send that email. Um, uh, and, you know, if, if you support medical marijuana, uh, you know, if you're like 80 percent of Ken uh, Kentucky and you support it. Uh, all right. Uh, Willie, can I ask you a, a favor? Sure. Awesome. Can you close out the show? Absolutely. Awesome. Thank you so much. Uh, so we'll be back next week and we'll be joined by the editor of the Kentucky Lantern. If you've missed this news, we've got a new news organization on the scene in Frankfurt, bringing much needed reporting attention to the ongoing capital shenanigans. Very welcome. Editor Jamie Luck will be here with us on Kernels of Truth to share her view of some of the top stories out of the session and how the political season is shaping up. Don't miss it. In the interim, go check out the Kentucky Lantern, important news coverage and no paywall. Progress Kentucky is a nonprofit organization registered with the Kentucky Secretary of State and organized as a 504, 501c4. We are affiliated with the Indivisible Project, the Commonwealth Alliance Voter Engagement, and are proud members of Forward Kentucky Network. Progress Kentucky's goal is to educate, organize, increase voter turnout, and advance a progressive agenda throughout civic engagement. Production this evening was by Nate Orshan. Thank you, Nate, for the theme songs. You can find more information and music at natosongs.com. If you miss our weekly live stream on Facebook, don't worry. You can rewatch shows and see our source links on Facebook. Or audio podcasts are available on Apple, Google, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. Logo and some graphic content provided by Couchfire Media. More information can be found at couchfiremedia.com.